And uh, the couple of reasons why we, why I wanted to get into this and to, 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 uh, to look at some of these things we've looked at. Uh, um, well, there's actually three sermons where we looked at different arguments for the existence of God, and and we talked about truth, and we've talked about a number of different things, and and a number of reasons why I've wanted to get into this. But two in particular is that we would be able to to uh, to to look at some of these things and recognize and and be confident to to know and to understand for ourselves and to be confident that that we have a reasonable faith, so one that that makes sense, one that is. Um, um, that that isn't just a blind thing that we we uh, not a blind faith at all, and I think that knowing that, being able to to know that helps us to live out our faith with confidence, and in a way that is pleasing to God. But I think that the, maybe the second reason is maybe a little bit more crucial, and that is that helping uh, that is in helping those around us to know and to understand for themselves that the Christian faith is a reasonable faith. Not just that we would understand that, but those around us, that we would be able to help them understand that we have a Christian faith that is reasonable. Uh, you know, a lot of us, uh, a lot of people around us um, have questions. And the question, I think, that for us is, are we willing to share the greatest news of the gospel with those people around us? And in my opinion, is that the church has not done a very good job of answering people's questions about life and truth and, of course, the Christian faith, and um, I, I, I want for us as a church to be able to do a good job of that. But part of the reason I think that that we that the church as a whole has not done a very good job of that is I believe that it, we have been become so attached to this world ourselves, and, and maybe we've even bought into that lie that says that all paths will lead to God, or if you want to go to heaven, you just need to be that good person, or you need to be the uh, at least a little bit better than the person next to you as if somehow God is grading on a curve. And the truth of the matter is that the things that we've been discussing, that we've been looking at thus far, things like whether or not God exists or not, the truth of the matter is is that most people in our culture today are happy to agree with that. If you ask people, and the surveys have been asked, most people within our culture actually believe that there is a God. Overwhelmingly, they believe that. Um, so most people are, are happy to agree with that. Most people believe that God exists. Now that may create a lively debate a little bit when we go to some like college campuses and, and you know, the universities and stuff. They might debate that for a little bit. And, and, yet, and yet it's really not as, as significant as what, what some might be led to believe. But, but when you, where it gets to be significant is, is when you begin to, to move towards discussions concerning the trustworthiness or the authority of the Bible itself, or when you begin to talk about the person of Jesus Christ, that's when the eyebrows are raised and you find that you've come to the outer edge of a, tempen, of a, of a, of a huge storm, and, and, I mean, you're no longer talking about the existence somehow of some distant deity, but the God of the Christian faith. Most people are okay with the fact that there's a God as long as he's distant, as long as he doesn't interfere with my life. Most people are, are, are okay with that kind of thing, but you start talking about Jesus, that's when you start to get more personal. William Lane Craig... Um, 
spoke at a, he, he's a, he's a guy who uh, has an incredible book. It's called Reasonable Faith. Um, but he's a, he's a theologian and he, he is also an apologist. And he spoke at a Canadian, a major Canadian university on the existence of God. And he said after his, that after his presentation, there was one slightly irate person who came up, well, actually wrote on her comment card. And this is what she said. She, was, she said, I was with you until you got to the stuff about Jesus. And then this is what she says. She says, God is not the Christian God. And Craig goes on to say that most people are comfortable and even happy to admit that God exists. But in our pluralistic society, it has become politically incorrect to claim that God has revealed himself decisively in Jesus Christ. If you want to move from that outer edge of this storm and, and into the very heart of the storm, all you need to do is just begin to talk about Jesus Christ, not merely as God's most decisive revelation of himself, but as the only way to eternal life. And things hit critical mass when you come to Jesus' statement in John fourteen six, when he says, I am the way and the truth and the life that no one comes to the Father except through me. Or in Peter's sermon in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, where, he, where, where we are told that salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Those are some rather exclusive claims to Jesus Christ. And in the height of intolerance today, it is the height of intolerance today to claim that Jesus Christ is the only way. To suggest that our neighbor, who may, may or may not be a good, well, we think he's a good guy. He may donate money to good causes. He may, he may coach his little league team. I mean, who cares if he dabbles in Buddhism and Eastern mysticism? To suggest that he is not on a path toward heaven is the greatest evil that, you, that, that can exist in society today. You think about some of the other things that happen, this, you know, that, that, that come up in the news. This is what, what seems to tick people off the most. We live in this world that is, that is spiritual. There's no denying that fact. There's a lot of talk about spiritual truth, uh, spiritual things around us. There's a lot of talk about heaven. There's a lot of questions about heaven Everybody seems to think that everybody is going. Have you noticed that? The greatest question, though, that we can ask, the greatest truth that we can, we can discover about heaven is, is how do I get there? What, what is the right answer? Is there an answer? Because it seems to me that, that our feelings have no bearing in the fact. This is what will tell us what that truth is. Now, speaking of right answers, I'm reminded of a story that uh, this is about a teacher who was teaching her kids how to spell. She told the class that she wanted each of them to tell what their father did for a living and then spell his occupation. Well, a girl named Mary went first. She says, my father is a baker, B-A-K-E-R. If he were here, he would give everyone a cookie. Next came Tommy. He said, my, my father is a banker, B-A-N-K-E-R. If he were here, he would give everyone a dollar. The third kid was Jimmy. He said, my dad is an orthodontist. 
He tried several times to spell it, but was not very successful at that. And so finally his teacher said, you know, uh, asked uh, him to sit down, asked Jimmy to sit down and to think about it and, and that they would come back to him later. The next kid, Johnny, Johnny said, my dad is a bookie, B-O-O-K-I-E. <laughs> and if he were here, he would lay bets eight to five that Jimmy ain't never going to spell orthodontist. And if I were a betting man, I would say that the odds are that most people, even in evangelical circles, think that there are many different paths to heaven. I was struck by, I, 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 in fact, I tried, I tried to get a handle on this this past week, and, and, and here's what I came up with. Um, I don't know that these are perfect, but um, I discovered that it looks like around 80% of all people believe that there is more than one way to heaven. That, to me, is pretty startling. 68% uh, of evangelicals believe this. So when you start looking at all of it, what they're saying is that, yes, they, 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 they look at what the church is saying and they, they buy into the church, but yet at the same time as they're looking at that, they also believe that they, they can actually go against what they believe or what they've been taught. 68% of all evangelicals believe that there's, that there's more than one way to heaven. 65% of evangelical teens say that you, can, you can't tell which religion is right. There's no way of telling that. We live in this iPod world where you can, you can choose your own mix of things. And that thought process even applies to God Be because of that, statements like John 14, 6, like Acts chapter 4, verse 12, are some of the most inflammatory words that you could ever speak. Well, if John 14, 6 is true, then it is the most important truth that we could ever speak or hear. If John 14, 6 is, is true, then it is true for everyone. But if John 14, 6 is not true, it is the biggest lie ever told and is false for everyone, and every so-called path to God is, is just as good as any other. If John 14, 6 is true, then there is only one path that leads to God and all others end in despair. But if John 14, 6 is not true, then all paths lead to heaven. If John 14, 6 is true, then all paths but one lead to hell. I think there's a lot at stake. And so today what I want to do is I want to take a closer look at this exclusive claim and that, that salvation is only found in Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, why is this claim so controversial? Well, I think it's controversial because it attacks, it attacks uh, the, the, the very heart of some of the great myths that, that have been perpetuated about religion throughout, throughout the years. The first myth can be seen in some comments that were made by Bill O'Reilly several years back on the O'Reilly factor. Now, he's not on anymore. But he said this, and I haven't forgotten it. He said, I have found that any remark I make about religion is likely to make some viewers steaming mad, and the fundamentalists really hate it, when I say something like this, and this is what he said. The most important thing I can say about religion 
is that it is a good thing for all of us to have. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe in something. And he's the one that wrote the book Killing Jesus. And if you read it, I read like probably the first chapter and I had to put it down because as a theologian myself, I looked at that and said, this is full of a bunch of garbage. There are, even, there are many, many outside sources that can actually show proof for Jesus than the ones that he came up with, and he's the one that's the most smart of, a, of this and brought this about. But when he says that, think about what he just said. Again, he says, the most important thing I can say about religion is that it is a good thing for all of us to have. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe in something. And in that statement, he exposes, I think, what Lee Strobel says is the first myth about religion, and that is this, that all religions are basically the same. Did I not get my... Did it, it must not have gone... The first myth is this, all religions are basically the same. Didn't come through? That's the first myth. All religions are basically the same. It's a worldview that says that if you strip all of the religions down to their basic elements, that they are fundamentally the same, that, that, that you know, they, they teach basically the same things and that it does not matter which one you choose or follow as long as you are sincere. Um, I was always taught that you can be sincere about something, but you can also be sincerely wrong. When, it, when is sincere, you know, the question I think becomes when is sincerely, sincerity enough? Sincerity is not accepted in any other field, any other serious field of study. Sincerity may be necessary, but it is not sufficient. I mean, you think about it. Is it sufficient that your surgeon just be sincere, or do you want him to be right? I think some of you have something to say about that. Is it sufficient that your pharmacist be sincere, or do you want him or her to be accurate when filling that prescription? Sincerity is not enough. Now, we can't deny, I, I wouldn't, I, I, we just can't deny that there is truth in other religions, in other faith systems. But we do need to remember that all truth is God's truth, and if other religions have anything right, it is still God's truth. We can, we can find some common ground with, with other faith systems, especially in the area of values and the areas of moralities. Uh, maybe we might be, you know, this might surprise us, but most uh, or many other faith systems, uh, um, some of the major you know, faith systems that you look at, many hold marriage in very high regard especially traditional marriage. Uh, many hold to and promote the traditional nuclear family. Many promote sexual purity in and in, in before marriage. Many promote clean and healthy living, uh, you know, no drugs, no alcohol, things like that. Many support the sanctity of life. And so there are some similarities. And yet, but Jesus, with this statement in John 14, verse 6, put Christianity in a totally separate class, one that cannot be reconciled with any other religion, 
And I think he meant for you and I to accept it and to accept him or to reject it. The uniqueness of the Christian faith is found in Jesus Christ himself. Other religions say, follow me and I'll show you how to find truth. And Jesus said, I am the truth. Or I am truth. Other religious, religions, religious leaders say, follow me and I will show you a way to salvation. But Jesus said, I am the way of salvation. Other religious leaders say, follow me and I will show you many, the many doors that lead to God. But Jesus says, I am the door. You just cannot simply harmonize the various religions of the world. There are some drastic and irre, irre, irreconcilable differences, not to mention that most major religions make exclusive claims to truth and to salvation. While other religions may seek to answer the basic, same basic questions, they don't agree in their answers to those questions. They disagree on things like the nature of man. They disagree on who God is and who Jesus is, and they disagree on how we find salvation or gain salvation. Every other religion is about, God, about people struggling and fighting to do something in order to earn God's favor or to avoid His wrath. So here's some of their answers. How do you earn God's favor? How do you, how do you avoid His wrath? Use a Tibetan prayer or go on pilgrimages, or give alms to the poor, or be baptized for the dead, or avoid eating certain foods, become a one, here's, become one with the godlike force in all of us through a series of rebirths into different, into different lives. Regarding, regardless of their teachings, every religion apart from Christianity is nothing more than man's attempt to reach God somehow on our own terms rather than His. I think it's really illogical to think that God would work that way, don't you? I mean, why would God go over to one side of the world and tell people, well, here's the way to be reconciled to me, and then go over to the other side of the world and say, well, well here's another way that I want you to be reconciled to me. No, God is not a God of chaos. God is not, a, he's not schizophrenic. Christianity is about God reaching out to us through Jesus Christ. We are the only religion with a founder who claimed to be God, who proved it, and who says that salvation comes by grace. We have a done religion, D-O-N-E, and not a do religion. I was thinking about this. Many people, I think, today in our world have a Home Depot mentality when it comes to salvation. You know, your kind of uh, Home Depot is filled with the do-it-yourselfers, you know. Great mentality, I guess, for fixing things around the house, and it may save you a lot of money. But when it comes to salvation, I think that kind of a mentality is deadly. Incidentally, the Buddhist version of the parable of the prodigal son he was required to pay off the penalty of his past misdeeds by, sending, or by spending years in servitude. <laughs> All religions are not the same. Here's myth number two. Myth number two says that there are many ways to God. 
Um, now, I think that may seem a little similar to, to the first myth that I have, but I think there's a subtle difference between the, the, the two. That one, is, one says that all religions are the same, but those who believe that there are many ways to God, they would say that there is a difference. Uh, they would say that uh, they would believe that all religions are different, but they, have, they all have equal claim to the truth. You see the difference? It may be unique in its truth claims, but it is not just but it is just one among many roads that lead to God. That's what the belief is. There are many ways to God. Around sixty percent some of these statistics are startling. Around sixty percent of all youth believe that all religious faiths teach equally valid truths. You can have your truth and I can have mine mentality. It's all just a matter of perspective. And I, I happen to believe that that's what evolutionary teaching has brought us to. I believe that that's the, basically where, where we have been led because of that. Maybe you've heard about, I'm sure you have, about the one, uh, about the three blind men and the elephant story, right? You've all heard that. Three blind men come across an elephant. First man happens upon a leg and he concludes that this is a tree. The second blind man, he bumps into his trunk and he concludes that it's a snake. The third blind man feels its tail and concludes that it's a broom. The point? The seeing man knows that it's an elephant, right? But this idea that there are many paths to God, it has a lot of appeal in our pluralistic, politically correct society. It, it ensures that everyone's ego and everyone's self-esteem is left intact. And that is what is most important, that we all feel good about ourselves and each other. And truth doesn't really matter. Well, truth does matter. Truth dictates that everything else to be a lie. If you want to believe, as one writer by, by, um, by way of humor put, puts it, if you want to believe that Earth became populated, populated when some aliens ate some tainted veggie dip and a, and, and, and a virus scrambled their brains and, and when, treated, when treatment failed they were taken to an uninhabited planet so that they could live out their existence in exile and that we are descendants of this brain-dead race, then you have the right to believe that. But that doesn't make it right. God made it clear that there is only one way to heaven. In Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 and following, Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. He asked God if there was any other way. Do you remember his response? No, there is no other way. The cross was the only way. And Jesus had to go to the cross to die in order to provide a way. And so what that means is that Mormonism and Buddhism and Hinduism and Islam are not ways to God. Just being a good upstanding citizen is not the way to God. Being better than your neighbor is not the way to God. If there is another way to God, if we, if we worship the same God and one of the many ways He opened for us was by killing His own Son, then He is not the God I want to worship. He wouldn't be a loving God but one who is indescribably cruel, and Jesus' death would not have been necessary. 
I, I want to close off here with one final myth. Myth number three is to claim one way to God is intolerant and cruel. That's a myth. If you stop and think about it, reality itself is rather narrow. If your appendix is about to burst, then there is only one operation that you can have to save you, right? It will not help to remove your tonsils or your kidney. Right? There is only one formula for water, H2O. To claim that Jesus was the only way to God would be cruel and intolerant if it were not true. But it is true. If there were actually many ways or paths to God and we were saying that this is the only way and that all other roads lead to hell, then yes, we would be intolerant. We would be arrogant. We would be cruel. But we are not saying that. To speak this truth and to proclaim it as a warning is not cruel, but compassionate. I mean, think about it. If, you, if a fire broke out in a theater, would it be more compassionate to sort of slip quietly out, and, uh, out of the theater and not disturb the rest of those as they watch the show? Or would it be more compassionate to warn them? Lee Strobel gives this illustration. Here's what he says. He says, pretend that there are two country clubs. The first admits only people who have earned their membership. To get in, you have to obtain superior wisdom or fulfill a list of demands and fulfill certain spiritual requirements. In reality, impossible to obtain. Despite their best efforts, lots of people will just not make it, but wind up being excluded. That is what other religions are saying, he says. But the second club, anybody who wants in can come because Jesus has already paid for your membership. Rich, poor, black, white, regardless of your ethnic heritage, where you live, we would love to include you. Entry is not based on your meeting certain qualifications, but simply recognizing that you don't deserve entry and willingness to accept Christ's invitation. And then he asks this, he says, which club is snobbish and putting on airs? See, Jesus Christ did not come to make bad men good. He came to make dead men live. James Merritt said it this way, he says, I make no apology when I say to you that Jesus Christ is not a good way to heaven. He is not a better way to heaven. He is not even the best way to heaven. He is the only way to heaven. Um, this story here, and I, I, I've searched and searched to try to find out whether or not there's truth in this. It's been told as true. I, I, I really can't. I even went on Snopes to try to figure out, and I couldn't find it, whether this is true or not. But it's been told as true. So, um, but it's, it's a touching story anyway. Um, the phone rang at 1 o'clock a.m. in the home of Leo Winters, a brilliant Chicago sur surgeon. It was the hospital telling him that a young boy had been tragically mangled in a car accident. Dr. Winters' hands were probably the only ones in the city skilled enough to save that boy's life. He got on his clothes, jumped into his car, and decided the quickest route to the hospital would be to drive through a dangerous neighborhood. But since time was crucial, he decided to take the risk. 
He came to a stoplight, and when he did, a man in a gray hat and a dirty flannel shirt opened the door, pulled him out of his seat, and screamed, Give me your car. The doctor tried to explain that he was on an emergency call, but the thief refused to listen. He threw the doctor out of the car, jumped in, and sped off. This doctor wandered for more than 45 minutes looking for a phone so that he could call a taxi. When he finally got to the hospital, more than an hour had passed. He ran through the hospital doors, up the stairs, to the nurse's station, and the nurse on duty looked at him and, and shook her head and said, Doctor, I am so sorry, but you are too late. The boy died about 30 minutes ago. His father is in the chapel if you want to see him. He is awfully upset because he couldn't understand why you didn't come to help. Dr. Winters walked hurriedly down the hallway and entered into that chapel. And weeping at the altar was a man who was dressed in a dirty flannel shirt and a gray hat, whose eyes were blinded by tears. The boy's father looked up at the doctor in horror and realized his tragic mistake. He had foolishly pushed away the only man in that city who could have saved his life. Jesus did not say that he was one of many ways. He said he was the only way. Father, we just thank you for what you have done. And yet I think that God is so important for us to know and to recognize that, that, that this faith that we have is not just some stab in the dark. It's not some blind thing. But in fact, God, it is your reaching out to us and trying to communicate with us and trying to be, have that personal relationship with us and to know us. It's such an incredible thing. And God, we want to know you. We're so glad that you reached out. And Father, I just pray that, that, that we would not be among those who live as though or even believe that there are many paths. But we would recognize the significance of what you have done. And Father, that by understanding that, that we would live accordingly. Not just our own personal lives, but just that we would begin to see the, the absolute essential importance of sharing what we know. Thank you for Jesus. The door, the great shepherd, the one and only way to God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.